Welcome to Season 3 of Game Design Unboxed on the No Direction Network. Daniel Reynolds talks to tabletop game designers about the games they've made. Together, they unbox how the game went from inspiration to publication. Thank you for joining me, Danielle, for Game Design Unbox Inspiration to Publication, Episode 51, Pirate Party, Women of the High Seas. Today, we are joined by Marge Rosen, the designer of Pirate Party, as well as the owner of Seaport Games, aka The Publisher. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm so glad to have you on. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know you, would you mind just explaining how you got into the gaming industry? Well, I've always enjoyed playing games. Uh, obviously, since a kid, I've played games, but I like to mess with them. Uh, I always have house rules. I sometimes change things. Uh, and I always thought it would be cool to be a game designer. I just didn't know how to go about it. Uh, my full-time job, I'm a professional musician. So when COVID hit, um, I had no work nothing to do. Uh, and so all I did was play games. And I thought, well, geez, why don't I just design a game and, and see if I could get it, you know, published or maybe a Kickstarter. So that's kind of how I got started. I got to ask, you said professional musician. What are you vocals? Are you an instrument? What are you? Uh, I'm classically trained uh, trumpet player. I've also been a public school music teacher. I conduct uh, ensembles in my hometown. I also play the drums. Uh, so it's been my main gig all my life. That's so cool. I've noticed that quite a few people have some kind of musical inkling when it comes to design, and that's interesting. So very cool. I personally tried the trumpet, was terrible at it, and switched to clarinet. <laughs> so kudos to you. Thank you. <laughs> that's so funny. And so, okay, so it was during the pandemic that board gaming and designing ended up being your switch. So talk to me about our spotlight, Pirate Party, Women of the High Seas. How do you play this game? Well, uh, this, uh, this game is uh, a, a card game of powerful and diverse women pirates inspired from history. It plays similar to Rummy, but with a twist. So you start by playing cards that include a pirate captain, a crew member, and a ship. Then you pillage and plunder to get the most pirate points to win. There's plenty of adventure with player interaction. Uh, there's treasure. There's period ships. There's mermaid wild cards and a dreaded Kraken attack that ends the game. Uh, it's for one to four players. It takes about 20 minutes to play. There's a solo player mode and a couple of seaport solitaire games that you can also play with the deck. Very cool. And I noticed that you had some cool mermaids in there, and those are the wild cards, correct? That's correct. There's three of them. If you uh, happen to be lucky enough and have all three of the mermaids in your hand, you can play them as a set and get a very special um, sister's siren bonus that's worth the most points in the game. <laughs> but most people tend to use them as wild cards to help them um, play sets of cards earn points. Very cool. And what made this theme the right theme for like your first game? Well, you know, my first game started out as a music-based game, a uh, board game. And then uh, as I started to learn more about how much prototypes cost and how much it costs to ship the prototypes for reviewers and play testing and such, I thought, well, maybe I should start with something a little bit easier. Let's go with this with a card game. 
I've always lived uh, someplace near the water. I grew up on Long Island in New York. I have lived in the Seattle area for over 30 years. Uh, I was in the Navy band for six years. Uh, so if I wasn't going to do something with a musical theme, it was going to be water-based. And why not pirates? Women pirates. I do love the angle. I also very much enjoy the diversity in the artwork. Thank you. I was definitely striving for that. And so when you initially started working on this game, what kind of changes did you make from that initial idea to the published version of it now? Well, it went through very many um, iterations. Um, I did have some friends and colleagues. Um, I live in Port Angeles right now. It's just outside of Seattle. And uh, I did have some people even during the pandemic who I could mail the game to and they could test it out and provide feedback. And uh, the game actually didn't start out as a women's pirate game. It was just started as a pirates pirate game. And uh, I was doing research on what, what pirates would be, you know, included. And I actually did stumble on some women and I was like, oh, I didn't even know that there could be, could there be a game? Is there enough women pirates out there for a whole game? And once I, once I discovered that um, I had to focus on it. That is so cool. And so interesting. Do you have a favorite female pirate? You know, this, the six, there's six suits uh, in my deck uh, for this particular game. And um, there's a women pirate captain that leads each of the suits. And it was hard to narrow down six because there have been more uh, than six. But I really wanted to represent um, as much diversity as I could and women that came from different places during different times. So it, it starts with um, Artemisia, uh, who was a pirate captain back in the Persia area in BC, actually at like a de facto Navy admiral, you might think. Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting that way back there could be a woman leading, you know, a fleet of men, um, on behalf of a country. But then I would have to say my favorite was uh, Ching Shi. She's gone by several different names. Yeah. But uh, the pirate, basically an admiral, I guess you would say, uh, who ruled the South China Seas for many years, probably among the most successful pirates in history, and had the distinction of not only pretty much ruling um the sea, but she was also able to retire. She was, she wasn't, uh, hung. She wasn't killed by other pirates. She, she was able to negotiate her retirement, uh, with the government of China so that she could, um, you know, end her days peacefully. Uh, just amazing. Most of these pirates, you know, don't live to a ripe old age. I honestly, it's so funny that you mentioned that because that's actually my favorite female pirate. And it's kind of funny to think like she almost had a retirement plan. You wouldn't like imagine that with that <laughs> being your profession. Exactly. So funny. Wow. So how much time did you spend like doing the research for these characters? I spent or, I guess, a ton of time and I actually started to get my friends and my sister involved too. Once we started digging, everybody was, became more and more interested. And, um, I even, um, got some folks to write 
a sea story about each of the captains that are featured in the game. So you can learn a little bit about about them if you're more interested. I mean, it, that's not really part of the game. Uh, but I did notice that a lot of women were intrigued about these different pirates and wanted to learn more. And one of my friends is a published author who lives uh, in uh, the San Juan Islands. And I asked her to write a story uh, about uh, one of the pirates. Just a fabulous writer. And she just totally made up uh, just a great sea story. So um, I'm really happy about some of that. So there's some things on the website that you maybe would not expect out of a card game, right? Uh, if you go to it. Uh, in the rule book, I do put just a very, very basic information about each of the pirate captains, their name, where they're from, when they lived, what part of the world they were in and a little bit about them. I mean, just a very small about because many of them um, became pirates due to social justice issues. <laughs> so I, I included some of that. That's so cool. So um, my game, her story that I co-designed for underdog games. So it's about famous women in history. And the other reason shang ended up being one of my favorites is she's in the game. Mm-hmm. And so it's like that interesting balance of, especially when you're using historical figures, you want to make sure to give people an idea of who they are in case they don't know who they are. Because right. you would not have imagined maybe that there were like female pirates, except outside of maybe the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Exactly. But yeah, that's cool. That's awesome that you include that in the rule book. And so then at what point did you realize like, hey, this is a really cool game. I want to publish it. What was the thought there? Did you start to pitch it or did you decide to just self-publish immediately? Well, I decided to self-publish immediately because I thought going the Kickstarter way was a great way to validate the idea. Uh, So I knew, I mean, it's pretty much been me. I mean, I've had some colleagues and helpers along the way, uh, but I was working, to be honest, I was working full time on this game during most of COVID. I mean, it gave me something to do and a focus. And I just started really enjoying the learning process of what it takes to have a successful Kickstarter um, learning about the community, going on the Facebook groups for designers and, um, you know, just learning about the whole world out there uh, for tabletop games and just absorbing as much as I could. It's It was uh, a great project. Uh, it got me up in the morning. It gave me something fun to do. And uh, I'm, I'm just really proud of the, the final product. That's so amazing. For anyone who is doing what you just did, do you remember any of the resources, any of the Facebook groups or articles or blogs or anything that you read to first get into learning about Kickstarter and learning more about design? Well, there's some good documentation right through Kickstarter. Um, and there's, um, you know, there's several groups uh design groups. Some of them have changed names recently due to Facebook things, but um, I really have appreciated there are Facebook groups for women designers, uh, for women who are interested in uh, games and gaming. And there's uh, Board Game Geek, you know, different um, groups as well. Board what was it? Board Game Broads Plus? Board Game the, Broads Plus. Yeah, yep. that's the one that I'm an admin for. <laughs> yep. And I, I really, I mean, that's been a big one. Talk about support for other women that are doing the same thing that I'm doing, that are, you know, have got an idea, they have a game, you know, 
being able to get feedback, learn more. And there's plenty of blogs out there. There's plenty of information about how to run a successful Kickstarter. You just have to look for it. You can't, you can't just throw something up on, on Kickstarter and expect to be successful. There's, you know, there's a way to go about doing it if you want to be successful. And if you follow the advice that's out there right now, uh, it will be a big help. Oh, for sure. And then how did you go about getting like the artwork and the final product done? If you don't mind walking me through it. Right. Well, that was challenging, to be honest. Um, I do have um, some friends um, who are artists, and one particular friend uh, is a very high, um, highly regarded professional uh, artist, graphic designer. And I kind of called in the favor, you know, to kind of help me yeah. just get to the point where I could have a prototype that, cause I had to have something besides three by five cards that I was sending around to people to play test, uh, especially when the game got to a certain point. And, uh, he really did help me out, uh, quite a bit, but I just kind of got to a point where I needed to hire an artist, somebody that who would really work on it to the same level that I was. And, and he just was not the right person for this particular game. So I wound up going on Facebook groups and starting to interview artists, graphic artists who also had interest in games. And uh, I was able to find a woman who had had her own game that she designed herself, did the uh, artwork for from Long Island, New York. Um, Her game has to do with witches. So I thought that was interesting that it was a woman-based game as well. And we got to talking and she did some sketches for me and um, it just, it was a good fit. And so I fortunately had a little bit of savings so I could afford to hire her. And um, I really think she did a fantastic job of um, the artwork for the game. I was really happy with it. That's amazing. And then what did you set as your initial goal for your Kickstarter? Uh, The initial goal for the Kickstarter, you know, it was a long time ago now. Um, I think it was maybe $4,000. At the time I had sourced what it would cost you know, this was a true Kickstarter. Uh, I'm I'm validating not only the card game, but whether the new game business could be viable. So I did some research on what it would cost to have games made. They had to be made in China to be cost-effective. I really tried to make, have them made in the United States. The prototypes were made in the U S in Washington state, but, um, it's just not possible, um, to run a business, and to have the profit, any kind of profit margin, uh, unless you're willing to have the games manufactured abroad. So anyway, I did that research and discovered what it would cost to have the games manufactured and the freight shipped to the United States back before all of the problems we've had with supply chain. Mm-hmm. And so 4,000 was the number um, that I came up with the rounded number that I thought would meet my expenses to have the game published. Uh, so I did that. I think I raised, um, around $6,000. So it was over the minimum what I needed, which was great. Um, I didn't build as much of a following for the game as I should have probably going into the Kickstarter, but I also didn't have access to a lot of the things people 
typically do have access to without COVID. You know what I'm saying? I did this during COVID, which meant there were no conferences to go to. It was very difficult um, to get a lot of people to play test it. So that took a lot of time. I just wasn't able to build um, the interest maybe as you would be able to have in a normal year. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. It's cool that you actually put together the prototypes and sent it out versus just like sending PDFs and having people create it themselves as print and plays. Well, the whole world of print and play was new to me. Um, I, I do know more about it now. And there was a print and play uh, option with the game during the Kickstarter and during the Pledge Manager. But I mean, I wasn't even at that point when I was playtesting <laughs> the, the game. You know, it really just started off as three by five cards with hand drawn, very crude illustrations. And um, but I knew I knew it was going somewhere once I could see the prototype printed. I, I it it looked like a real game. It was something that I could send out, you know, for blind tests. Yeah. I wish I had known more about print and play during the testing phase. I've learned so much. It's It's been almost a two-year, like 18-month process maybe. Uh, and I just feel like I have learned so much that the next project um, will be even bigger and better, I'm sure. That's awesome. Do you have a next project planned? Well, there's several games I've been tossing around and starting to um, to play around with. I would like to do something music-based. I'm thinking about going back to the board, the music-themed uh, board game. Right now it's called, you know, Be a Rockstar. Uh, the whole thing about the game is, you know, to work your way up from uh, playing bars in your town to world tour. I, I try to think of some fun musical things um, to throw in that board game. So I'm, I'm thinking about going back to that and kind of working out the kinks on that. And uh, there's several other ideas. I also have, you know, ideas for a booster pack for Pirate Party, Women of the High Seas. You know, there were other pirates we could have included. Um, there's more elements to the game. Um, so that might be something. Very cool. And then as far as the um, Pirate Party is... Like what, what do you, would you say is like your favorite part about the game? Like if you could choose just one part. Well, I guess the one part I like best is the take that aspect because it is a pirate game. And so I do like the fact that they're on each person's turn, you know, there is that possibility that there could be some plundering and pillaging from, uh, other players, uh, as you go around, uh, there's adventure cards. It's, it's not just rummy where you're making sets of, um, you know, pirate teams. Um, but there is opportunities to kind of steal things from your opponents. And I, I think that's fun. Uh, some people don't necessarily think that's fun, especially when your points are being stolen. But, um, most people have enjoyed that interactive, um, uh, mechanic in the game. Very awesome. Have you heard much beyond that uh, from the people who back the game? Yes, I have been getting some really positive feedback. Um, It's just been released um, into retail in the Seattle area and in my local area. Uh, We're beginning to try to get it placed a little bit more broadly, but I'm hearing things from um, 
you know, parents of, of kids that the kids are enjoying the game, uh, which is always good to hear. I did do some play testing, uh, with youngsters, but to be honest, I was really gearing this towards adults, uh, who might appreciate the social justice aspect of the women pirates or enjoy some of this gender diversity, you know, in gaming in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I'm actually uh, getting some very positive feedback from people who are a little bit older, who you may not think of as being gamers in the board game geek world, but they appreciate the fact that it's more than your classic uh, rummy game. There is some light yeah. strategic elements to the game, which makes it a little bit uh, more challenging and enjoyable. Uh, for a casual gamer than just your, you know, traditional uh, card games. I think that's good. And honestly, I'm someone who likes to think of changing what it looks like to be a gamer. Like we shouldn't just assume straight middle-aged white guy when we think of a gamer. We should think of all variations. So that's awesome that your game is surprisingly lending itself to different, like various different ages and types of people. So that's, that's great to achieve that on your first try. Yeah, I'm very proud of that. And I'm hoping that that's what the company Seaport Games is really about. I'm hoping um, to collaborate with others in the future to bring more diversity to gaming. That's amazing. I love it. And so you mentioned it was about 18 months, you think, for it to go from inspiration to the publication, like out to the backers, would you say? Is that right? Yes. Or has that that just been how long you've been doing this? That was about how long it took um, from the inspiration to having, you know, pallets of games in my house. <laughs> yeah, um, it it probably should have taken less time. But again, this was my first time doing this. It was during COVID, um, just as the game was going to mass production in the factory in China is when Shanghai got shut down. So I lost three months uh, due to the shutdowns, um, you know, that happened this past uh, winter. And of course, once the game got made, Shanghai was still having um, supply chain issues as far as getting freight shipped out. I'm fortunate that it came to Seattle and not some of the other ports in the world because, you know, Long Beach is still having problems. The East Coast is having problems now. Um, we've seen all kinds of goods, uh, have difficulty being available, uh, in all different places, the grocery store everywhere. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I would say, especially for your first game, that's pretty decent timeline. Most people, I feel like it takes about two years on average, Mm -hmm. not to say like everyone's different and everyone's game is like a little heavier or lighter and depending on components where they get manufactured. But I think that's a really good timeline. Yeah. I was happy with that. So it's mm-hmm. been almost two years that Seaport Games has been, it'll be two two years in December, but I did spend maybe the first six months or so kicking around that music board game. So that's why I'm saying a good 18 months of inspiration, solid work to the final product for Pirate Party. Awesome. And what would you say would be like one piece of advice you give to designers from your whole experience? one piece of advice. (laughs) Uh, There's so much advice I wish I had, even though I really did a lot of research going into this. uh, There's nothing like the experience of just the tenacity that's required to get from your inspiration to the final product. But that's life. I mean, it really doesn't matter 
what your focus is, you have to have that tenacity and and you better love what it is you're doing because you're going to be spending a lot of time at it. And don't be afraid to ask people for help. I think that's really good. Yeah, because I would say our industry is very helpful. Like if you're a kind person and you like just ask, typically someone's going to answer. I would agree with that because I asked many times and people were very giving. And I try to be the same now too, now that I've had some experience when I see questions from designers and people on some of these websites and some of the Facebook groups, you know, I do contribute when I can. And I think that's amazing. That's the only way we're all going to grow anyway. So I like the idea of helping each other versus being competition because like the more games we have out, the more gamers we're going to make, which just helps support us all. (laughs) That's great. But awesome. So as far as the whole experience, what would you say was your least favorite and your favorite moment? I would have to say my, to be honest, my least favorite moments is all the time I felt I needed to spend on social media, on marketing. You know, it's, it's so, it's so important and so difficult for an independent game designer to get noticed. Um, and I'm just not that interested, to be honest with you, in social media. It's just not sure. my thing. Um, but it's a necessary tool. And I've learned a lot more about it. But um, I would say that that's my least favorite aspect. What um, was your strategy for social media, if you don't mind me asking? <laughs> uh, uh Basically, it was to join a lot of groups to see what other people are doing, um, spend a lot of time on Board Game Geek, which I'm I, I, I like what it does. I appreciate its importance uh, with the community, but it, it isn't easy to navigate if you're agree. new to it. No, I'm not new to it. And it's still annoying. Like it is not user friendly. Yeah. You would think in this day and age, there would be an easier way, but it's an important tool. So I guess Board Game Geek, uh, building my own websites, um, the social media, I did spend money, add money to try to um, try out different marketing ideas because I my background is not in marketing. So I did try to get some help through um, those different entrepreneurial groups. Uh, in Port Angeles and in the Seattle area, you know, that I asked for help and they pointed me in a few different directions. Um, Just learning how to use the Discord groups. Um, I hadn't really done that before. So there's a lot to it. I mean, if you already have this stuff in your background, you're okay with social media. You don't love the, you love the Discord groups and, you know, you're probably going to have a lot easier time of the marketing aspects. For sure. I know that's something I had to push myself into learning and I'm still not great at it. But Mm -hmm. all right. Then on the flip side, what was your favorite experience in designing uh, Pirate Party, Women of the High Seas? I guess my favorite part is playtesting the game with new people. Um, I've done that at little local um, cons, uh, little local play testing gamer group things, uh, when you're playing the game and people start to get it, they get to see how the, the potential of the game, the fun aspects of people are enjoying it and smiling, um, when they're stealing your stuff and they're plundering and they're, you plunder them back and, um, 
you know, people are smiling and they're laughing and they're having a good time. That's that's the real payoff. I love that. I feel like playtesting can be such a joy and also such a pain. So I'm glad that that ended up being your highlight. Yep, for sure. That's awesome. Also, where you live has such a network and community of designers. I'm so jealous. Every time I visit Seattle, I'm like, God damn, why don't I live here? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just too darn expensive. If it wasn't for that. Uh, but yes, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> yeah. Very fortunate to be where I am. That's so awesome. All right. Well, then for my last question, I'd like to know if you could be the designer of any game that you're not the designer of. So like magically, for some reason, you wasted your de- or your genie wish on becoming the designer of like Monopoly or something. What game would you choose? I that is a tough question. There are so many games I love. I, I have to answer with two. I would have to say my favorite game probably at least for the last two years has been terraforming Mars. I think if I had been the designer of that game, that would be so cool. But on the other hand, I have to say that I'm really most inspired by flat out games and Cascadia, uh, their Seattle area. And um, I have learned so much by watching and participating in their Kickstarter campaigns. Uh, I I was a backer for Cascadia. I just got Verdant uh, in the mail this week. Um, I just love what they do. I love their themes. I love the artwork by Beth Sobel. So um, I would have to say (laughs) maybe Cascadia. That's so funny. Yeah, I had Randy on the show um, a few episodes back, and we talked about Cascadia right before he won his awards. So that's awesome. They do a great yep. job. I'm a huge fan of spatial puzzles. So like anything they put out, I want to buy. Absolutely. Same here. Yep. Yeah, they got my number. They got my money. <laughs> that too. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. And that's so cool that you get to be a part of the scene over there and like see how those games develop. I've always been interested in how their collab works and they've explained it to me and I play tested some stuff with them at cons and yep. it's a very cool concept. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> well, awesome. Uh, to the audience, thank you for joining us for this episode of Game Design Unbox, Inspiration Publication, Episode 51, Pirate Party, Women of the High Seas. And thanks again, Marge, for joining us. For anyone trying to find you on social media, where can you be reached? Well, you can find me at Seaport Games, and you can find the game at Pirate Party. Sometimes cool. it's Pirate Party Game, but yeah. Is it Seaport as far as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like all of them? Yes. Yes. Cool. Just had to double check. Awesome. And then I'm your host, Danielle Reynolds. And if you're looking to find me on social media, you can check out my Instagram and my Twitter under the username Token Gamer. And that's spelled with G-A-Y-M-E-R. But thanks again, Smarge. This was great. And I think it's cool that both of us have the same pirate in our games. So we're pirate friends. (laughs) Thanks, Danielle. Thank you for joining Danielle for another episode of Game Design Unboxed, inspiration to publication. If you'd like to hear more great gaming podcasts, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. Join us next time.